Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on January 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, following the State of the State Address, our analysts break down the governor's outlook on job creation, taxes, and teacher raises. Then we examine a Democratic response that paints a different economic picture and addresses two policy matters absent from the governor's speech. Plus, Mississippi's school choice organizations take their advocacy virtual. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 2020 marked the marked Governor Tate Reeves' first year in office, and yesterday he addressed a modified joint session of the legislature with his State of the State address. Due to the pandemic, Reeves delivered his speech on the south steps of the Capitol, flanked by only a few members from each chamber. Touching on topics ranging from job creation to cultivating empathy, Reeves made his top priority clear. I reject the false narrative that is being pushed by some, which says this is our new normal, that even after vaccination, we need to just continue to hide away and live in perpetual isolation. That's just wrong. This is it. This is our moment. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and Mississippi is sprinting towards it. I promise that we will smash every roadblock. We will get this done as quickly as we possibly can, and allow people to protect themselves from this virus. It is my most immediate priority, and I assure you it has my full attention. Joining us now are political analysts. Austin Barber is a Republican strategist. Brandon Jones is a Democrat and former state legislator. Good morning to both of you. Austin, we're going to start with you. Do you agree with the governor's top priority? Austin, do we have you there? Uh, yes. Okay. Can you hear me? All right. Now we can hear you. Yes. Okay, great. Thanks, Karen. Sorry about the technical difficulty this morning. But, yes, I absolutely do agree. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious. It has to be. Uh, how do we get everybody vaccinated? That's the process that we're doing right now. Uh, so that's what we're going through. He admitted that, listen, we started slow. We were last. And now that we uh, they have sort of figured out the best way to vaccinate people as fast as possible, uh, we vaccinated 200,000 people. So uh, they figured out the kinks. It's not an easy system, uh, but they certainly have improved it. And we're well on our way to probably about 100,000 vaccinations a week as this thing really gets ramped up. Brandon? No question. That should be the top priority. Now, you played a clip where Tate Reeves was fighting off the straw men who say we should live in perpetual isolation. I have to be honest and say I have no idea who he's referring to there. But... 
the pandemic is here. We can deny it all we want. It, it's at our doorstep. Uh, this month, we are going to record probably a statewide high for COVID deaths during this time of pandemic. And so it's undeniably in our faces and we're dealing with it in every aspect of society. So I do think this should be a top priority. And I'm, I'm glad to hear the governor say that. Job creation is also high on the governor's list. This is what he said about competing for jobs in the region. I want to compete with the best of the best, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas, because I know not only can we compete, I know we can win. We can get in the ring with anybody, and we can leave with more jobs and higher wages. Brandon, is this something Mississippi can do soon, and how can it happen? Well, look, um, I think that this idea of having um, the, the proper mindset to, to compete with, with um, every state that's going after every job and, and, and every industry is, is a good mindset. I mean, we, we need our governor and our entire administration thinking that way. I will give him points for using only southeastern conference states as who we're in opposition to, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas. I don't know that the rest of the world see them as the cream de la cream, but I understand where the governor's coming from. Um, Look, we have to be honest, though, Karen. Um, This speech painted a picture that is not completely accurate with where we are as a state. Mississippi's gross domestic product growth over the last four years is 50% of what the national average is. That's a fact. It's 0.4 up against 0.8. That's a fact. And we've actually lost a greater percentage of jobs than the nation as a whole. So, you know, you can point to these various publications, you know, associate editor Phil Bryant, those kind of things that make it look as nice as it can. But the truth of the matter is that's not where we are. Austin, is it as negative as Brandon just said? No, it's never as negative as Brandon says, and it's probably never as positive as I say, or vice versa, depending on the topic and the issue. But it is somewhere in between. And listen, I think it's great that the governor is saying this. Uh, We need to compete. We need to have the bar raised um, in in everything that we do in government, really in everything we do in life. Uh, I think it's the perfect example. It's the same thing with, with our kids. We need to raise the bar so we can improve education and improve improve their future life as best as we possibly can. But I thought it was interesting, the states that he mentioned, minus Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Texas. You know, those are all three very uh, popular state, populous state, and but they all don't have state income tax. So I think he was using those for more than just one reason, that, that they are, you know, our neighbors, that they are super competitive in uh, the job recruitment world. Um, but so I think that's interesting. And I should also say, listen, even during a pandemic, and I think he mentioned this in his speech, our economy did actually grow last year, uh, which is which is a good thing. But, it's you know, we obviously need to continue to do everything we can to grow this year and the next year. And the okay, year. we need to move on. Reeves says he believes phasing out the income tax could attract more business, a move gaining support with Republican lawmakers. Yesterday, he addressed the skeptics. I also know that there are still many who say that we can't lower taxes because it puts new government spending at risk. And I understand that it is often good politics to act like something from the government is a gift. In fact, the far left has been playing that tune for generations. But we have to be clear. 
the government doesn't have anything that it does not first take from a taxpayer. Austin, what's the path forward for this plan in 30 seconds? Multi-year. It's not going to happen in one year. Uh, the governor knows that uh, this is a $2 billion. I, mean, we, I think we bring in just over $2 billion um, to, to the general fund from our uh, state income tax. But listen, we need to deb- we need to have a serious debate on tax reform. And I'm glad Tate Reeves is leading this. He's going for the heart of the matter with with our state income tax. He knows it's not going to happen overnight, but you gotta you gotta start the conversation now. Brandon, same question. Uh, Kerry, uh, you know I just noticed that he mentioned that the far left and has played the tune of it's good to politics to ask like something from government as a gift. Mississippi state budget is propped up by 43.3% of federal government funds. 43.3%. That's nearly half. So what this plan would do is cut 40% of the portion that we provide. So in doing this, we would become almost exclusively funded by the United States federal government, which would be a very interesting historic position for Mississippi to carve out with its own budget. I think all tax things should be on the table. I think we should look at the most regressive tax in the country, which is our grocery tax. It's the highest. It's paid by everyone who buys groceries in Mississippi. But I'm curious to know how we fill that gap with the income tax laws. Okay, I got it. Good. Uh, State and local taxes are what pay Mississippi salaries. Uh, teacher salaries. Governor Reeves commended the efforts of teachers this year and said he will sign any raise that matriculates out of the legislature. He also continued to voice his support for school choice. We need to keep working. We need to keep fighting for every child to have access to the education that they deserve. We need to ensure that parents have the choice to save their child from a district that lets them down. And we need to reward our teachers for the exceptional work that they do. Brandon, public education is underfunded as it is. The governor supports more school choice programs that reallocate taxpayer dollars. What should be the state's priority when it comes to improving education? Well, you know, folks who think like me have always said the same thing, Karen, and that is we need to fully fund the existing program. And until you fully fund the existing program, you really don't know what you have. I think casting that off to, um, you know, schools that aren't subject to scrutiny, that don't have to participate in standardized tests, that don't have to participate really in any type of oversight is a bad move. And so I don't I don't know that that's an answer for our children. It might be an answer to save a few bucks, but I don't know at the end of the day we come out more educated. Austin, I think until the day I die, I will hear my friends on the left say that that we're underfunding education. It's just simply not true. We have more money in K-12 education now than we've ever had. Our school t- our school teachers are still not paid what they deserve to be paid, but they are being paid more now than they have uh, ever. And that's that's under Republican legislative control that has that has that has done that. Um, I, I will tell you there are educators, there are administrators, there are teachers who are doing everything they can to survive during this pandemic. But there's more money in K-12 now than it's ever been. We have some school districts who are thriving, who are flourishing. We have some school districts that are not. And for those that are not, those are the ones that need competition, need choice, so that those parents and those children in those districts can have the best opportunity for the education to help their kids um, do whatever they want to do in life. 
Up next, we examine a Democratic response that paints a different economic picture and addresses two policy matters absent from the governor's speech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Governor Reeves stated the state address received the customary Democratic response yesterday. This year, it was presented by Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons. One of the noticeable contrasts between the two speeches was the picture each man painted regarding Mississippi's economy. First, Governor Reeves. Despite the once-in-a-century pandemic, Mississippi's economy actually grew year over year. Think about that. We were the third best state in the country for job recovery. That's not just because of an open economy. It's because Mississippians don't want welfare. They want to work. They recognize the pride and dignity that comes with it. And they've been eager to return whenever given the opportunity. And now Senator Simmons. Tens of thousands of Mississippians have been laid off during this pandemic. These historic job losses have drained our state's unemployment trust fund and left families struggling to buy groceries and other basic necessities. We must provide support to individuals who have found themselves out of work through no fault of their own. We must also make sure that the hundreds of millions of dollars appropriated to small business relief finds its way to Mississippi's main streets. If we are being honest, COVID small business dollars have moved too slowly and the back to business grant program has been embarrassingly inefficient. Austin, two fundamentally different perspectives. What do you make of the divide here? Listen, I mean, I, there's no question that there are small businesses that have been destroyed, small businesses that have been closed. Uh, you think about the restaurant industry, uh, the tourism industry has been severely impacted during COVID. And that is not Tate Reeves' fault. That's not Derek Simmons' fault. That's just a reality of what we've had to deal with. We've got to figure out a way for the dollars that are set aside for these programs and these businesses most of it driven by the federal government. We all know that. Um, to get those dollars flowing as best as we possibly can so that these restaurants who have somehow survived or that shuttered in the hopes of opening again can, can do that and they can bring their employees, uh, their waiters, the waitresses, the bartenders, and so on and so forth back to work. Brandon, 30 seconds, please. You know, Karen, I think that what Senator Simmons did is model how we should talk about things. You can be honest about the challenges your state faces. I I think that may be the biggest contrast I saw. I thought Senator Simmons was saying, look, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to love here, but we have to be honest about where we see challenges. And what Austin just described is a challenge. It does not deplete us by mentioning that. 
And I thought, in contrast to that, Governor Reeves seems to think that admitting that people are losing jobs and struggling to make Main Street work is a weakness. It's not. Let's be honest with our folks. Let's be honest about where we are. One key issue that Senator Simmons addressed that was completely absent from the governor's address was the need to expand health care access. Brandon, we know Medicaid expansion is high priority for Democrats. Were you surprised the governor didn't address the underlying health care inequities in the state? Karen, I thought this is where Derek gave his best line of the night. Senator Simmons said identity politics do not pay the hospital bills. The truth of the matter is Republicans, including Governor Reeves, have been opposed to expanding the Affordable Care Act so that Mississippians living at about 140 percent of the poverty level can have access to health care. That's a position. But we've gone now for over 10 years without an alternative. What I heard Senator Simmons say is all of you folks who have been standing in the road saying, no, 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 Obamacare, that's fine, but it's time for you to put up or shut up. Mississippians need access to health care. And this pandemic health care, this health care disaster has shown that more than ever. Austin? What the governor did when he first got elected was one of the best decisions that he made was he reappointed Drew Snyder Mm -hmm. as the head of the division of Medicaid. Of course, Drew Snyder was appointed originally, initially, uh, by by Governor Bryant. I think if you ask Republican or Democrat leaders, um, just normal members of the the legislature, they would say Drew Snyder's doing a phenomenal job. There are many that think that Drew Snyder's doing such a good job that he's able to save dollars. They have more money to dedicate to those who truly need it who are on Medicaid. Um, those single moms with, with, you know, one child or two children who desperately need these funds, that's why these funds are there. So I, I think there is a real uh, vision of, you know, with leadership uh, at the Capitol and with the Division of Medicaid that let's try to run this program right so we can make sure we can efficiently help uh, those who need these dollars, need these funds as best as we possibly can. A quick response from both of you. Uh, Mississippi had an adoption of a new flag, only got as much as a fleeting mention during the governor's address. What do you make of that, Austin? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't really make anything out of it, to be honest with you. Um, I, 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 you know, the governor was, um, you know, out, I guess, when they had the, the ceremony to raise the new flag a couple of weeks ago. Uh, maybe he's moving past that. Um, I, I know that, I, obviously, I'm very excited that we have a new flag. Republican leadership worked very closely with Democrat leadership in the legislature to uh, to bring us, to, to put this issue on the ballot, and voters overwhelmingly chose uh, a new flag. Brandon, any significance? Yeah, I, I think uh, we can read into that, Karen, that uh, the governor kind of went kicking and screaming down the path with the flag. His statements earlier were not in support of changing it. And I think when we did get it changed, it was a tough pill for him to swallow, but primarily because of his followers. He knows that there are a lot of people who he depends on to keep him in office that did not want to change that flag. They've got a fixation on the Confederacy. They've got a fixation on the Old South. And it's something that he has to navigate very carefully politically. I think we have to be full-throated, though, in 2021 and say anything that is not inclusive of all races is not what is best for all of Mississippi. Thank you both, uh, Democrat Brandon Jones and Republican Austin Barber. Always good to talk to both if you appreciate it. Coming up, Mississippi school choice organizations take their advocacy virtual. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. I'm Karen Brown. School choice supporters are shifting their advocacy to a virtual platform this year in recognition of National School Choice Week. Usually a time when yellow-clad students and parents gather at the Capitol in Jackson, this year's events have moved online due to the coronavirus pandemic. Grant Cowan, CEO of Empower Mississippi, shares more on school choice in Mississippi. In Mississippi, school choice looks like a variety of things. When a family decides where they're going to live, based on the quality of the school system, and they buy a home in a community with a great school system, that's school choice. When a family saves up to afford tuition to go to a private school, that's school choice. Um, But we also see increasingly a move toward public funding of school choice options because there's a recognition that not everybody can afford to move to a better school district or pay for private school tuition. And so Charter schools were created in Mississippi a number of years ago, and the idea is to create opportunity for kids who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it. And so charters are public schools, and yes, the money follows the child to a charter school if that's a better fit for their need. Um, Mississippi also has a couple of special needs school choice programs, one called the Special Needs ESA and one called the a dyslexia voucher. And both of these are vehicles that allow public funds to follow a child to a private school if they have a particular special need that is not being well served in a traditional public school. How does a charter school differ from a public school? So charter schools are freed from some of the regulations and bureaucracy and the red tape that traditional districts fall Uh, under, and in exchange for that freedom, they're held to a higher academic standard. So charters take the same state test, they're under the same accountability model as traditional public schools, but they have some freedom with how they get there. And no student is assigned to a charter school. So there's schools of choice that operate in Mississippi in low-performing school districts. And so no, no teacher is assigned to a charter school, no student is assigned. They're, they open up in a community, and students uh, have the option of going to a charter school if they think it's going to be a better fit for their needs. In Mississippi, one of the reasons why a school might be underperforming, a public school, is because of funding. Uh, Mississippi students do not fare well when compared to the rest of the country, and a lot of that has to do with access. As you're saying, school choice, but many school districts don't have that choice, and uh, – children are at schools, that if they lose more money, that's certainly going to affect the quality of their education, which is already in jeopardy. Well, so I think, you know, um, Mississippi is a poor state. And so we would all like to see the best run, best funded schools we can, but we're always subject to limited resources, whether you're in education or transportation or anything else. And 
what we have seen with charter schools, charter schools use the same amount of money per student that traditional public schools use. And they are demonstrating that kids can get a great education, can be prepared for life using this, whatever resources are available. And so certainly funding matters, but we're much more concerned about how is that funding being spent and is it getting to the students who need it? And is there accountability, especially parent accountability, for how those resources are spent? And, you know, we think students, every student is unique. And their education ought to be as unique as those students are. And the best way to make sure those kids are getting a great education is make sure that whoever is closest to those kids, which is often their parents, have the ability to make sure those kids are getting what they need or if they're not, move them somewhere else. You mentioned that charter schools still take, still follow national testing, state testing. When you talk about bureaucracy and red tape in education, can you give us uh, some examples of what you mean? Well, there are a number of mandates that come from Washington down through the states or from the Department of Education at the state level or the legislature that have taken a lot of the freedom away from teachers in the classroom. And, you know, if you talk to teachers around our state, they feel like they're not treated like the professionals they are. And many of them feel like their day is focused on preparing kids to take tests. And there's no doubt testing matters. It's one of the ways we measure success. But it's not the only way. And when, um, you know, our school day or our school year revolves entirely around students and their performance on a test, it squeezes out a lot of the great parts of school that really matter, that prepare kids for life. Grant Callum of Empower Mississippi. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.